I'm your host, Nick Ginsberg, and you're listening to The Open Drive, a podcast focusing on authentic living and defining your own path against the odds. Well, hey there. Welcome to episode 11. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for listening. To anyone new, welcome. As I said in my previous episodes, which you will hear in no time, welcome to the family. You are now part of my club. So lovely to have you here. Uh, I do suggest that you start from the beginning. So feel free to listen to this episode and then go back because it'll make a bit more sense. Quick reminder that if you enjoy the podcast and you like listening to these episodes, please make sure that you share it with your family and friends. I want to reach as many people as I can so that I can help those that need it by hearing my story. So if you can do me a solid and share it with your family and friends, if you enjoyed it, that would be amazing. Also, make sure you subscribe to the podcast so that you get notified as soon as an episode is released. Lastly, please jump on over to Instagram and follow both myself and the podcast uh, at Nick Ginsburg is mine and the podcast is at The Open Drive. In this episode, I wanted to really do a, a second part to the episode that I did on the effects of addiction. So I wanted to now look at the effects of mental illness on a family. Now, I, I really want to make this very clear that this is my story, this is my family's story, this does not necessarily depict an, uh, an average family with someone that is struggling with mental illness, everyone has their own personal journey and I just want to make that very clear. So this is my story that I'm wanting to share with you. Growing up, both my mum and Louise, so both of my parents, had mental health issues. So they struggled quite a lot. My mum, not so much when I was younger. I mean, I'm sure there was uh, lots of things at play. I'm sure she had anxiety and depression, just as an assumption looking back now, is that that's what I'm thinking. Um, whereas Louise had a really long history of mental illness. So she has been diagnosed borderline personality uh, disorder. If you, if you don't know what that is, just do a quick Google search. Um, but she had been in and out of psych wards since she was a teenager. She had uh, the, 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 I forgot the actual name of it, but the, the, the shock therapy. Um, there's an official name for it, so apologies, I can't think of it off the top of my head now. But she had that as a teenager. Um, she has really struggled throughout her life. She's tried to commit suicide a number of times. Um yeah, and it's 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 rough. Uh, it uh, yeah, quite quite rough. Mum, on the other hand, she obviously had her issues. So my mum grew up; she was very very severely dyslexic um, for all of her life. Obviously, it doesn't disappear, um, but particularly before I was born, and then as I went through school, we learnt together. But she had. I can almost guarantee you, like I said, anxiety, depression, etc. And she medicated those feelings away by using alcohol. So that's how she did it. Whereas Louise understood medication can help her, but she would self-medicate, which if 
you don't have to be a genius to figure out that is not what you should be doing, right? Shouldn't be what it is. And uh, mum had gone through the early part of my childhood without any sort of severe mental uh, illness episodes or anything like that. It was predominantly her addictions that were the, the issues when I was super, super young. When she got cancer, though, the doctor suggested that she started smoking weed uh, to help with pain and nausea and all of that. It's a very common thing. A lot of people that go through cancer, doctors um, suggest that is a good thing to help. Now, mum had found her, her stash and her supply, which was not regulated, and I don't know whether it was a lace batch or something happened, but that's when everything fell apart. So uh, it triggered something in her. She became very manic, uh, these big manic depressive episodes. So very sort of textbook bipolar. Although later on, so in my sort of mid-twenties, a doctor did say, I'm not sure if she, she is bipolar or ever was bipolar, but she may have had signs of that, which is hard to grapple um, as a kid. So, uh, when mum really sort of fell off the, the wagon, I mean, the manic episode, she could be awake all the time and it was go, 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 go. She was very thin. Um, and it was very much, a I wasn't sure what I was going to get, uh, as a kid. I wasn't sure what was going to come out. Um, Inter interlinked with that became a very a strong sense of paranoia. Um, and that has stayed with her even till now. Um, she She's quite a paranoid person in terms of she always thinks that people are looking or thinking or talking about her. This, this showed a lot um, throughout dancing. So you heard in the previous episode that that broke down, that relationship broke down. And that broke down because she was paranoid and she was fabricating things. I, I'm sure that she, I don't think she was purposely fabricating uh, situations or anything or what she thought was happening. I don't think she did that on purpose, but she was so mentally unwell that she believed it to be true. And so what would happen is she would have these moments of this person is the worst person in the world because they've done X. None of it was true. But as a sort of 10 to 13-year-old, when that was really starting to happen, it's really hard to sort of wrap your head around. I I know for me, there was very much a sense of what do I believe? What do I... What don't I believe? How do I get her help? Um, I just wasn't sure what to do. Uh, other than try and talk her, for lack of a better phrase, off the ledge. So talking her back of, of trying to keep her grounded in the reality. And that works sometimes, but it didn't work all the time. Um, and so at that same time, there was Louise who, borderline personality, there's certain things are like, you can, she never believed that she was in the wrong, um, quite self-centred. And so then you had her, on the other hand, self-medicating, which caused a full imbalance in her mind. And I spoke to you, you've heard the story around the night of her sort of bursting into mum's room 
And so all of that was kind of happening at once. And so that affected me as a kid in terms of stability. So I, that, that sense of, uh, not that I ever really probably had it, but my home life became very unstable, very unstable. And so that's when I really started trying to manage perception. So trying to manage what people viewed of us, what they thought of us. Um, that's, that's a direct link to what was happening because it was like this try and protect and help. And I was so young trying to, trying to do it. The other thing that I think, uh, mental, and this, I've heard this a couple of times from different people who have gone through similar situations, but like addiction, mental illness also creates a very big stigma. So anyone that has any sort of, uh, mental health issues, there is a massive stigma around it. Um, they don't want to share that they've got it. They also don't want people to find out. Um, and my parents would definitely like that. I mean, even even to this day, if you were to suggest to Louise that she had borderline personality disorder, she would tell you very swiftly that you're wrong. And But she, she does. Uh, and it's hard. And that's why I talk so much about wanting to break down the stigma associated with mental health. Uh, I really think truly that it is something that we should be able to discuss like we would say, I woke up this morning, I've got a bad cold, I'm going to stay at home. You should be able to do the same thing for your mental health. So that could be, I've woken up this morning, I'm, I'm not feeling my best um, mentally, I'm, I'm really drained or uh, I'm having a depressive episode, I need to stay at home today. Your sick leave is there to use it for that. However, people uh, struggle to say that because there's such this stigma of uh, uh, there's this stigma that's attached to it. Now, that's part of the reason why I do this podcast is because I think the more we talk about it openly and the more that we can be vulnerable around these mental health issues, the the better it gets in terms of the stigma. So that's really important. So. Uh, I urge anyone that has a similar story and feels strong enough to do so to start talking about it openly. It's why I talk about seeing my psych, because that should also be a normal thing. Um, I have been asked why I see a psych. Do I have any mental health issues? And no, I have anxiety, which runs very strongly in my family. Um, if any of my family are listening, I'm sure they're having a bit of a chuckle at that. Uh, but absolutely, we have we all have a bit of anxiety. Um, but I'm very lucky. I don't have... I, I came out of this without long-lasting mental health struggles. Um, but I still see Dave because I need to talk through stuff. Even doing this podcast, being able to talk it through out loud like this, I still need to debrief with someone that is removed. And it's really important. So the more we talk about it, the more we have these discussions, the, the, hopefully the, the better it gets and the stigma goes. I want to talk about as, I've, as I got older. So as, as time passed, I'm late teens, early 20s, and how I've, I've had to deal with, with that and, and what, what my childhood 
and my close involvement with people with mental health struggles has done is it's it's allowed me to see the system as something that you really need to fight for. So, for example, I have called triple zero, which for anyone overseas, that is obviously our emergency number. Uh, I've called triple zero on both of my parents uh, a number of times. Uh, Louise, I've called triple zero on uh, 10 plus times. Um, And I haven't done it because it's... Uh, an easy fix at 3am so that I can get to sleep? Absolutely not. It is uh, it, it is done to protect them. So when they are in a destructive, self-destructive uh, state, it is to protect them. And uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's something that I, I think people really struggle with. So there is guilt associated with calling triple zero on your parents to get them taken away into a psych ward um, or to at least have a psych evaluation. And when I first did it, I felt, I, I can remember it, I was in my teens, felt incredibly guilty, really incredibly guilty. But the more exposure you have to it, the more you understand and the more I, I came to understand that I have to do it to protect them. The last time I did it was probably end of last year. And I'm 34. I called, and I'm in Melbourne, and Louise and Mum are in Queensland. I called triple zero on Louise to get her taken away. Uh, she was in a very bad state. Um, very bad state. And called me on and off for hours um, wanting to saying a lot of, a lot of things, which I understand can be quite traumatic for people to hear, but things like, I don't deserve to leave. I don't want to, I don't want to go on, um, and whatnot. So I talked to her very positively, tried to get her, uh, around. I hung up, I called triple zero straight away. I no longer feel guilt over doing stuff like that. She also doesn't know, she doesn't listen to this podcast. Uh, She can if she wishes, and then she will know. Um, But I don't openly tell her that it's me doing it. She pieces the the puzzle together and knows that it's me. But I'm doing it to protect her. And I'm doing it to protect mum. Haven't done it for mum since I was in my early early 20s. Actually, even maybe even late teens. Um, But absolutely... With Louise, it's been an ongoing thing. And it will continue to be an ongoing thing. Um, that is the thing, I think, that that people need to understand when it comes to mental health um, and people that really struggle with their mental health is that the moment you add something on top of the struggle that they've got... So you take Louise, for example. She has borderline personality, which is tough enough to deal with on its own. Then you add on top of that addiction and this inability to uh, self-regulate is probably the best word I can use. So she she drinks to medicate. She then takes her medication, which don't, don't work with alcohol. So she's never actually mentally sound, even though she's on the medication. So 
that is tough and it's never going to go away. And that's, that's the thing. So one of the things that um, uh, Dave had said to me when talking through all of this was, I have to look after me. As much as in those moments when Louise is really struggling, she will, she will try and get me to take the bait. And she does it a, a lot. <laughs> um, it's about looking at it through a compassionate lens. So she must be having a really tough time at the minute. Don't take the bait. She's having a really tough time. So it's about changing how I react. And I remember when Dave first said that to me, I was quite annoyed actually, because I thought, you don't know what she's put me through. I don't want to, I don't want to look at it through a lens of compassion. Why would I want to, why would I want to do that? She hasn't, she hasn't done that with me. She has at times, but not as an overall. And then he explained that it's about self-preservation. So it's about me looking after myself. And it goes back to this thing of, you can't control anyone else. You can't control how someone reacts. You can't control what someone says or does. You can control how you react to the situation that's presented to you. And let me tell you, so that was one of the first pieces of advice that he gave me in uh, September, October last year. And it changed how I interact with Louise fundamentally. We haven't had a big fight since. Even on that time when I had to call the ambulance on her, we didn't have a fight. And that's really important. So I want to pass that on with on to you. But just like the addiction, mental illness creates a secrecy in the family because of the stigma. This is ha- probably hard to uh, understand, but I view the two hand in hand. They're both illnesses that affect people outside of the, the person that has the illness. Sure, they are different things. I get that. I understand people can have one and not the other and all of that, right? I understand that. But they create the same thing within the family. So everything that I said in the addiction episode, which is secrecy, it's this rolling storm of you don't know when it's going to hit. Is it coming in? How long is it going to last? Also, it's creating these these peak moments of mental health struggles. It's almost like it creates a slightly different version of the person you love. And the last thing I want to say, because I think this is really, this is actually really important and it's not a piece of advice. I just want to share this part with you. I, growing up, as you know, did not want to be anything like my parents, but mental health, sometimes it's genetic. There is parts that, that you become more, uh, so for example, I it'd be more likely for me to have a mental health issue than someone whose family doesn't have a strong history of it. I was terrified that I was going to end up with a severe mental illness. Terrified. Up until probably 
five to ten years ago. So mid-twenties. Really, really, really worried about it. But I didn't need to worry about it. Because if I did have one, I could go get help. It isn't the end of the world if I had one. But that terrified me, the thought of being like them. It is so important to understand that there is help out there. And help is in a million different forms. Help can be your friend, a family member. It can be a professional, a psychologist, a psychiatrist. It can be checking yourself into a facility to give yourself a moment to breathe, to get back on track. I may have a a mental health issue later on in life. It may happen. But I now understand that I have the tools and the ability to be able to get myself help if that was to happen. And that's the difference. It's not something to be scared of. You can, you can sort it out and get help. I'm going to leave it there because this was, this was heavy, but I think it was needed. So I hope you got something out of this. I hope it was worthwhile. Thank you again for listening. Remember, make sure you subscribe, share it, do all of that fun stuff. Follow me on Instagram at Nick Ginsburg or the podcast at The Open Drive. And I hope you have a fantastic time doing whatever it is that you're doing. And thank you again for listening. I'm truly grateful. Have a blast. I'll talk to you in the next episode. See ya.